Welcome to Issue 33 of the Bad Cody Funky Podcast, everyone. Before we begin this week's Quentin Tarantino's A Hateful Eight, we got some pretty cool items to get out of the way. One being the Star Wars The Force Awakens visual effects behind the scenes. So this is only visual effects. It's a 10 minute long video. Check that out at badcodyfunky.com. It's nothing to do with acting or anything, but just how certain things are set up and made. Like the shot where John Boyega, um, uh, Finn's character, is running towards uh, Poe Dameron's uh you know body where where they crash landed in the Goazan Badlands on Jakku they actually used a, a real tie fighter a real practical effect tie fighter and you'll see certain shots with uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character uh with, with the dots in her face talking to uh Daisy Ridley's character Ray for the first time because we we've only seen certain setup pictures of that uh, we haven't really seen her acting, so it's a pretty cool 10-minute-long video, and it always gets my attention, and we always love behind-the-scenes footage of anything, so it was great to see that this surfaced. You can check it out on badcodyfunky.com. Another thing I'd like to get out of the way really quick, the uh, Academy Award nominations dropped today. Um, if you're anything like us, and I hope you really are, you are a big fan of movies and everything that has to do with movies here or there. To go through a quick short list of what's been nominated via... For Best Picture, we have Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Room, The Martian, The Revenant, The Big Short, Spotlight, and what surprised me, just because of the type of movie it is, Mad Max Fury Road, which is pretty phenomenal. Um, the list goes on from there for like Best Actor, Best Support, Best Actor, Actor in Supporting Role, Best Actress, Actress in Supporting Role, Leading Role. So definitely check it out. I will have this list up later on today on, well, not, if not today, tomorrow on BCF, so check it out as soon as you can. I love that Mad Max is, is, is getting up there too, and it's such it's such know. an amazing spectacle with and, all these practical effects and everything, and it just all, like, we loved it. I mean, yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> we, you know, we absolutely loved it. I know some people were just like, oh, Witness you me. know, it's, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean it's too much? You want some, some campy dialogue? Like, go to yeah. the CW. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> it's... That bit cost us a million dollars, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and now also I'd like to mention really, really quick, uh, Star Wars is nominated for four Academy Awards. Yes! Uh, oh, wow. And yeah. special effects, sound, and... I forget money. what the last one was, but nothing actor or movie related. But it's uh yeah it's and, and that's the crazy thing too. It's nothing actor related, nothing movie related because I, I guess people are like oh it's Star Wars so whatever. But yeah, it was it was best uh, sound mixing, uh, best original score obviously because the master John Williams is uh is up in the movie. Uh, best sound editing, which is sick because you know everyone loves the iconic Star Wars sounds and it takes a lot of work to to get through with all that. Uh, best film editing. Which, which I think is great. I mean, uh, you have like these amazing, like sweeping shots that uh, that JJ Abrams is known for, like these big boombastic moments, and uh, they're all all cut together. Because like some people don't really like. Since we went to uh, a design college, like we had to like edit video. Like I, I've, I've been editing videos since I was in, in middle school using Final Cut Pro and just like a, like a high eight camera or <laughs> whatever whatever I had at the time. But uh, when you see a movie that's so well put together, like people talk about how oh it's so close to uh, a New Hope, all this sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, it is, but the way that it's shot and the way that it's cut together is modern day. Absolutely modern day. Absolutely. And, uh, yep, and the last thing was uh, best visual uh, effects, and that's um, highlighted in the article um, for the Star Wars behind the scenes on DocuDebuggy.com. Yeah, and the, and the another thing we want to get out of the way, uh, Dave, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, because I know you're very excited about, about this. 
by all means, go ahead. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, season two of Heroes Are Born, not going to be a thing. Not going to I love that. I love that. I only liked it because I, I did like Heroes in the beginning, <laughs> but I don't know who took direction and was like, all right, this is how Heroes is going to be now moving forward. And it's like, what? Who Who are you? What? <laughs> what is this? What is, what is this? Who Who said they wanted it like this? Uh, I don't. I don't know. So, so how much I, I changed? Because I never saw Heroes originally. A lot changed. And to be honest, like, until I read the news today about it not being, not be going forward for like a second season, I completely forgot it existed. Like, we just watched it once for our previous podcast. And then like, or at least I just watched it once just for that and <laughs> yeah. forgot completely about it. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah that was, that was a thing. Wow. That. Well, yeah, that I mean, really was a thing. Who really wasn't even a fan of it originally? I, I, I didn't hear anything about it. it just kind of went completely under the radar. I mean, there was some brief buzz when the when it when it was coming back, um, people posting on Facebook. But other than that, it was kind of just it broadcasted and never mind. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things too, where like I don't know, I I for the podcast had rewatched. I was planning on rewatching all of season one of Heroes, but like I couldn't make it through like episode two. <laughs> like it just didn't hold up for me. Like the original, like season one, real deal Japanese steel heroes that I was like obsessed with back in the day. I was just like, this is shit. Like, what is this? Seriously. So I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that was just like it's. It feels like it was better than it actually was because we were so young and naive and didn't know. Are what you it sure? Was. Well, I remember. I remember the, the first season. It did take a couple episodes for me to actually get into it. One of my buddies was like, "Oh, you're gonna love this show. You gotta watch it." And I was like, "What is this?" And then, uh, and then I, I, oh man, I a couple episodes in, I was just like, oh, "I don't know where this is going," but I was very intrigued, and it did take some getting into. I mean, like certain, like you know, well-made series do. Like, I, it took me a couple episodes to get into the Game of Thrones, honestly. Well, that's that's the crux of most TV shows, even anime, for that matter. You always want to watch at least the first few episodes before you decide whether you're gonna stick with it or not. Oh, yeah, but anime, I mean, like, especially. I, th- I think a lot of what yeah. Heroes had to offer, too, is we didn't have a lot of superhero stuff at the time. So it was, like, a decent. That's true. Made, that was the first superhero like, thing. Yeah, like, a, you know, yeah. continuous. Wow, that was a while ago now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah. So I, I think we're just, like, starving for that. And now that we have, like, more of it. <laughs> and so it's jaded. Actually, oh, man. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of, like, really good stuff coming out of, like, Marvel, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think we've gotten spoiled. And Marvel's like, yeah, not only <laughs> can we give you superheroes, but we can give you the superheroes. And they're going to look how they need to look. And we can give you the superhero show all at once. Yeah. yeah. We can give you superheroes, <laughs> so many superheroes that you're not even going to think about old stuff anymore. You guys want a superhero? Got them. Daredevil. All yeah. at once. You get a superhero. You get a superhero. Everyone gets a superhero. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think now that we have this, like, well-done universe that's already established, things that were what we considered really well done are now, like, subpar compared to what we need, what we have now. I'll admit, what really got me to watch Heroes originally when it first came out was Hayden Panter. That that was about it. Yeah, we know. Like, like once she was in, once I found out she was in, I was like, oh, oh, she's a cheerleader? Oh, oh, well, I must watch this more in its entirety. What was why was she was she in anything else beforehand or you were just like oh I'll look pretty girl no she was I knew her from like other movies really yeah then I see her on that and you know I'm like whoa she looks really hot all of a sudden huh. yeah I'll watch because like that was the first instance that I've ever seen her I'm like did they get her from like ABC Family or something she, she was, was like in a, like a couple movies she was actually in she was actually a little girl in the movie Remember the Titans. She was, oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah she was, was the one that really knew about football and screamed at everybody. She was in that. Wow, that was her. Holy, and crap. she was also like in some type of teen like romp drama or something before um, Heroes, and that's where I saw her originally. You know, 
Oh, and I was sure. like, oh yeah, she's she's, she's kind of young, but she's kind of cute, you know. And you know, over the holiday season, like I saw her on the Hallmark Channel, so she's doing like Christmas movies and shows and stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, she's also on uh, what's this stupid country music show? <laughs> country <laughs> music show? I think it's called Country. No, 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 it's called. Uh, f- it's called Nashville. Country Nashville. Music she's show. like the star of Nashville. Oh, Nashville! Like, yeah, huge, yeah, huge, huge. Not to us, but like you know, other <laughs> I was just going to say, us. I know who so, yeah, you're talking about. It's, not me. it's with uh, like it, I know it's huge. Like all like all the Muggles pretty much watch it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's uh, Connie Britton and her, and Connie Britton plays an older country music star, and she plays a newer up and coming one. And I think I don't know, like Worlds Clash or something that's intriguing that I don't find intriguing. I don't know. I don't like country music, and I, I don't like the appeal of that show. So it's not really for me. That's that's, uh, that's what I know about the show, which is probably inaccurate. But that that's it's kind of like uh, what I just did right now is, for those of you listening that are just muggles and kind of so, so coming to us for the first time, what I just described is what it sounds like to us when you describe X-Men. I don't know. There's a guy who has, like, these metal knives that come out of his hands, and... He's got cybers. I don't know if his razor has been lost or or what, but he fights people and he likes the redhead, but the redhead likes the guy who wears sunglasses all the time. I've heard that's, I've like, heard that's how that's some the people, people who come out of X-Men. The Force Awakens, me haven't seen it five times, and they're like, who's yeah. Kylo Ren? So Kylo Ren was... Uh... <laughs> I actually had someone at work today tell me they didn't like Star Wars because the lightsaber fights weren't as interesting as the prequels. Mm. I didn't know what to well, say. To their, in their defense, in their defense, I will admit the lightsaber battles in the prequels were pretty dope. Oh, they, they were ma- over the top. But the yeah. movie doesn't like make a film. I mean, if he's just in, is, is he in the film for like just the action, or does he want to? Narrate? Honestly, I if mean, he liked, if he liked the prequels, then yes, that's all he wanted was action. He cared nothing about story. <laughs> this is the guy that. Yeah. This is probably the type of person that thinks Fast and the Furious should win an Academy Award. Uh, I think the Fast Furious should win an Academy Award. Absolutely. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> Fuck you, man. But yeah, the, 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 any, the any movie. Embarrassing me. Oh, God. Any, any movie that has The Rock breaking out of a cast and saying, Daddy's got to go to work. The Rock is a national that should, treasure. That should. Yeah, he, oh, he totally is. <laughs> you leave Dwayne Johnson alone, damn it. I, I'm praising Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No, I, yeah, I, Amber, I, the funny thing about that is that I, I've seen I've seen and talked to actually uh, a lot of people about that. They're like, hey, why don't they have like some crazy light through battle at the end of, of this movie? And uh, and because like, oh, they had in their prequels and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, but you're comparing like a bunch of complete movies with like the beginning of like the new trilogy for Star Wars. And like, think about A New Hope. I mean, was there crazy lightsaber battles then? No, like uh, from the, from the original trilogy uh, for Revan Six, you had the Darth Maul fight. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had you had the Darth Maul fight when it, and that, was th- th- that was crazily <laughs> choreographed. But that was also uh, in the time frame of when there were a lot of Jedi, a lot of Sith, and of course people were like training them and stuff like that. We're at a time where there's like barely any of either side, any of either side. Although you know, I mean, I mean, although you know, like 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 Kylo Ren is technically not a Sith. He's just like a dude strong with the Force that was, uh, you know, um, swayed over to the dark side by Supreme mm-hmm. Leader Snoke, who we don't know for concrete. We don't know concretely if he is 
or it's not a Sith, but you know, be we know that. So, yeah, pe- so people are like, oh, the, the prequels had <laughs> better, <laughs> prequels had better lightsaber battles and stuff. Well, yeah, of course he did. They were they were heavily choreographed. I love the yeah. fight between Darth Maul, Qui Gon, and Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, it was great, but... but that's Jedi in their prime, and that's Sith also kind of in in their prime as well, as opposed to this one where they're not around. So, like, how do you expect like some crazy razzle dazzle like lightsaber? Bad on people. Are like, I don't care. They should put it in there. I don't. <laughs> Although what I do it, like about stuff doesn't matter. Um, what Force Awakens did that kind of like brought from the original trilogy, yeah. which bothered me about the prequel trilogy was the original trilogy. And keep in mind, uh, you can actually count it on one hand. A lightsaber only turned on when shit was about to go down. Yeah, that was about it. So when a lightsaber turned on the original movies. Shit was about to happen, or something was about either, to happen, and not a lot happened at once. It was very, very few motions and very short. But, but not even it but, wasn't anything. Prolonged. But not even that. But though, like seriously, like it was like wasn't it being turned on just to be turned on. Like they were turning it on right. for something. Well, it was for, for a purpose. Yeah. and that's that's what I got from 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 uh from the new yeah, one. Yeah, same it's thing. Like, that the Kylo Ren fight at the end was was crazy intense. I mean, whereas in a whereas in a New Hope, or I mean, no, Phantom Menace. Well, in a Phantom Menace, <laughs> um. The the fight at the end, it, it, there's a lot going on, a ton of action, but I I never really like, felt the the intensity up until uh, Qui Gon died. At the same, if you think about like the the fights between Luke and Vader first time and fights Luke and Vader the second time, there's lots of emotion in those fights. You know, you can feel it yeah, coming absolutely. off the screen. Like first time Luke and Vader fight each other, Luke is fighting the man who he believes killed his father. You know, so there's lots of anger in that fight and the way they're doing it, and then like in the second battle. Their second fight, he's fighting his father. He's trying not to fight his father. You know, he's trying to bring his father back. And at the end, he gets really angry because, you know, he's going to take Leia. So it's like, there's lots of emotion built into it that the original, that the prequel trilogy just didn't have. Yeah, Obi-Wan and Anakin were supposed to be angry at each other when they fought each other in, like, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. But at the same time, you didn't feel that just emotion behind the yeah, fight. And yeah, and, and like at the end, Kylo Ren, you you feel like the rage and, and, and mixed emotion from someone who just killed their father. You know, it's it's crazy. And and, you, and even though there's not a lot of action compared to the the prequels, you you have a lot more depth in the in the in the moments. I think in the newer film than the prequels. I don't think there's there's there's, uh, there's plenty of action in this. So I love also we've we've got back onto Star Wars. <laughs> I, I was just like thinking I was like I'm looking like, at a rundown and I'm like I don't see it's funny I don't see Star Wars. I was like wait a minute we're talking about the stuff to get out of the way like we we touched upon Star Wars for a little bit and I purposely didn't go into it and then just yeah. want us to move on and now we're back. Yeah. It's so good. Speaking you of moving on, tell, we're big Star Wars fans, but um, big Star Wars fans. Yeah, but time to move on on to something else we're big fans of Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon's gotta gonna be celebrating. Yeah, gotta catch them all. I wanna uh, be the very best that no, no one ever was. was. Dun, 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 dun. To catch them is my real Twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty years of Pokemon. Can you believe that? Twenty fucking years. My How God. old do you feel right now? <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the article uh, you posted on backcountryfunky.com, I was like, oh my god, has it really been 20 years? Yeah, My bro. goodness. And the Pokemon company has been celebrating in a couple different ways. And uh, check backcountryfunky.com to see how you can bag yourself some of the swag they've been putting out. And, like, I want... Uh, it's so crazy. Like, they have, like, the the fire, the, the red and blue versions on, oh like, on 3DSs. And, Man. like, it's already pre-installed. And yellow. And yellow. Yeah, and yellow. Oh, my yellow God. Yellow is not going to be pre-installed, but it'll be available on the store. 
Do you remember when Ye- when Yellow came out? I was a kid. I remember when Yellow came out, and I was like, "What? Pikachu could follow you around? What? What? You can go surfing with Pikachu? Like yeah. the fucking show? I was just like, what? Oh, you like the show? I was like, what kind of? How do they do that? Like, how do they? How do they do that? And what kind I was of just sorcery is this? It was amazing. Do, 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 and every do, do, do. moment in that game where Pikachu like bothers to talk to you, and the game just stops, and you have that, that interaction, or you, or you turn around and you and you you talk to him, and you get something new. It's like, oh my god, Tamagotchi! <laughs> Although one of my one of my big biggest disappointments about Yellow was I thought you could do any Pokemon following you. So ah. I was like, I can't wait to have Cubone follow me around. And then it was just like only Pikachu, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, what's important to note is there's actually a lot of stuff going down. You can check out the article at baghertyfucky.com. Um, they're like, releasing I'm surprised some new... there's, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be a quick, like, here's the 3DS coming out. <laughs> and then I actually looked into it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a bigger article. I'm going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. Like, like all the bullet points you have with the uh, digitally remastered movies and iTunes, yeah. Amazon, and Google Play, and, like, uh, the other stuff that you can get. I was I was really surprised. I was like, wow, the Pokemon yeah. company is doing a lot. To celebrate, so, I mean, they're not—they're not messing around. No, they're not fucking around at all. And uh, anyone, just just to give you a heads up, you heard it here first. Go to my article just to hear more about it. But you can get Mew for Pokemon X, Y, Ruby, Sapphire—I mean, Omega Ruby and uh, Sapphire Crystal—at um, your participating GameStops in February. So be sure to check that out. I'm assuming it's going to start on the 27th because that's mm. when all this kind of goes down. That's when the 3DS comes out. Um, the it's going to be a new Nintendo 3DS. Uh, with custom faceplates for red and blue versions that include, as Serge said earlier, red and blue. Um, it's not an XL, I don't think. I think it's just a standard side, which yeah, is kind of side. unfortunate for me because I really wanted an XL with that stuff. I know, seriously. But uh, what are you going to do? I was going to the UK is getting these. Like in, in North America, here in America, we're getting the new 3DS, like the regular mm-hmm. one with, with uh, the face plates and everything and the red and blue version pre-installed. But in the UK, they're getting the 2DS with that kind of sucks for them. the same stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's weird. Like I don't know if they have both available, but but I know that we... Uh, it might be exclusive because I was I was uh, I was seeing a, an article um, from from the Pokemon company. They're they're they were tweeting out pictures and stuff and everything. Of course, in Japan they get everything, but yeah, in the UK they get two DS versions, but we get yeah. the 3DS version. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be like a, a limited time exclusive thing, where we're eventually going to get the two DS and they're going to get the three DS because that just doesn't make any sense. I think they're just trying to give like yeah. a sense of exclusivity to it. I, I think odd. it may eventually come to America because uh, I do know some some of like uh, like like my, my my friends' kids that do like the the two DS over the three DS, but they're like like little elementary school kids. So I get, I'm guessing for them it's easier to hold or carry around or for whatever reason. But I was like, oh, oh they they man. like it, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll come to America if you guys. Like like the 2ds. I mean, look, the, when the Zelda Gold Edition came out, like I think it was only in Japan first, and then moved over to Europe, and people in North America were like, "Hey, what the hell?" And then it came to North America, and I wanted to get that because like it was like baller looking thing oh. <laughs> ever. This like Zelda Gold 3ds. I was like, "Oh, it's so sick looking." Yeah. Well, what's interesting to note too is like it, usually UK gets better stuff than we do off the bat. Seriously. Like, and even there's some stuff that we don't even get. Like, I remember when um, Arkham Origins came out, they had a much better collector's edition statue. Yeah, than oh, I remember God. that. I was so mad because yeah, I like, like, love Batman. And I was like, yeah. what? Like, listen, the UK is known for style, but it's like, don't be like, give the Americans the stuff from the pig trough. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> we want the style too. Give us the, give us the flavor. We want that. That's actually the only Arkham game that I don't own the collector's edition to because I didn't like the statue. It was just the Joker in front of TVs where oh, the UK yeah. had one where it had Batman holding the Joker by the neck. 
Yeah, I was like, why don't we get that? <laughs> like, yeah, give I mean, us I want that, that thing. I mean, I might, I might end up looking at some point. Like, I tried to look later on and like down the line. I was like, yeah, it's gone down in price, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I think it dropped down to fifty bucks at one point for the collectors. I was like, yeah, might as well, oh. but <laughs> not really super upset that I didn't get that. Um, but yeah, Pokemon twentieth anniversary, February twenty seventh. That bundle will hit for the uh, new Nintendo three DS, and I believe that's the same day that Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, Pokemon Yellow will hit the uh, Nintendo store on the 3DS as well. I don't remember what the official name for that is, but you get the idea. Uh, I wanted to mention the unfortunate, and we kind of skipped it last time, the passing of David Bowie and Alan Rickman, uh, both within like a couple days of each other. Uh, Seriously, like, they, each other. They, they always say like, uh, that, that's, a, that's a celebrity desk come in three. So we have David Bowie, which everyone knows who David Bowie is, and it's really unfortunate. Alan Rickman, also very unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, Alan Rickman was in a ton of movies, uh, uh, more recently known for his portrayal as Professor Snape in Harry Potter. He was the infamous villain uh, in Die Hard. He was in... Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. He was, he was uh, you know... Huge. He was in Galaxy huge. Quest. Yeah, he was. A, oh, God. Oh, my God. I didn't yeah. want to bring up Galaxy Quest. I grabbed Thor's hammer. No. You would Dude, that's the best movie. That's, <laughs> that's probably my favorite role for him. He was in Love Actually. He was also. Was he was cool. the robot from. Um, Marvin, yeah. 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 Yep. We're all probably going to die. <laughs> yeah, super, super sad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't let me die this year, too? Or was that last year? No, he did. It was this year. Absolutely. Yeah, it was this year. Yeah. That's that's the three. There you go. You got your third. Let me have Motorhead. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he's gone this he, year. May he watch down for, to, from us from Metal Metal Land. I was like really dreading the third. Now I'm like, okay, well at least yeah. like, the at least at least like the storm is over. Yeah, Alan Rickman was a third, unfortunately. Like, ugh, it sucks for all of them, but like, yeah. Well, technically that was last year, so we might still be due for one. As terrible as Let me was last year. I thought he was this year. I don't know. Time's all crazy. Yeah, wasn't for me he, right wasn't now. he in December? I don't remember. Unfortunately, probably yeah. So that we, we we might have a third coming up. Um, Sad face. But yeah, Serge, why don't you start the thing with a thing? All right, guys. Before we begin the podcast, just a moment of silence for all those who have fallen. Welcome to the Back Alley Funky Podcast, the only podcast that has a personalized letter from Abraham Lincoln himself. On today's podcast, guys, issue number 33, we're talking about Hateful Late. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to issue 33 of the Bad Cody Funky, a podcast. On today's panel, we have Booster Greg. What up? Dave the Bearded Menace. They speak English and what? God <laughs> damn. Bomb Amber. Right. And I'm Sergio. Welcome to the hateful A. Quentin Tarantino's 
back at your funky podcast, everyone. Let's get right into it. We're today we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight stars pretty much everyone that's been in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Pretty much, you got oh my god, everyone, all the all the wonderful casting characters that are in the Hateful Eight movie are in a Quentin Tarantino movie. You got Samuel Jackson, you got Kurt Russell, you know, you got. Uh, Oh my god, you got Tim Roth. I mean, anybody you could ever think of is in this movie. You know, Michael Madsen. Yeah, man, I love but Michael Madsen, I'm so glad that he's still doing things. Like he his acting chops to me are amazing. I mean, Samuel Jackson and Curl, of course, you know, but like Michael Madsen, something about him in every Tarantino movie for me, it's like whenever you see him on screen, like something's about to go down, you know. Oh man. So, for those of you unaware, The Hateful Eight uh, takes place back in the day in the Western times where um, Samuel Jackson and Kurt Russell's character, uh, Samuel Jackson plays uh, Major Marquise Warren, and Kurt Russell plays uh, John the Hangman, a bounty hunter. So, they're going to this place called Red Rock, and it's in the post-Civil War era, out in the wilderness, and uh, Kurt Russell's character, the Hangman, is uh, about to take uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, Daisy, to the Hangman. Because she's an infamous, infamous baddie. But before they get there, they got to make a stop. Because there's a blizzard going on. So yeah, um, I found this movie to be... I mean, it, as you know, it's my second Quentin Tarantino film. And just in general, I, I, I love the use of, um, of, of silence in, in the longer scenes. Like the, first, the opening shot, you had, you had just that long, drawn-out, just set it, setting the scene, like the, the blizzard, the... Um, with the uh the cross and that music but in general throughout the entire film you just had these long pauses where um where uh it reinforced the environment in a way that kind of made you feel isolated you know one of the things i thought was great about the movie like we're going back to what amber said is like the everything in it has like a classic tam- even though like all those all the scenes are beautiful visually like they all have like the classic Tarantino feel, Tarantino look, how everything just comes together and just like the way the cameras pan, cinematography, everything just like other than like the complete blood and gore that happens within the movie, it has like the Tarantino feel of like just the scenes that are shot and the way it's done. And um to go back to like it felt like I was watching one of my favorite movies from Tarantino was um Pulp Fiction. It was like my first intro to Tarantino. And has since been like my standard movie. I compare all his movies to, um, and part of me feels like he kind of went off the board with Kill Bill. Well, Kill Bill Volume One, Kill Bill Volume Two felt more like a Tarantino movie, but this felt like I was watching classic Tarantino. Just beautiful shots, beautifully done, and just great dialogue and bloody as fuck when it's necessary. No, absolutely. I, th- I think uh, in this movie, though, I actually got... I heard of some complaints from the person I went to see the movie with. Um, she was saying that like she didn't really get the point of, of, all, of all of the gore. And I, I think that, I think that it, it definitely serves a purpose in his films. It, it's, not, it's not just there as, as, um, as gore porn for, for like, people who are... Like, I think is the negative term some uh, slashers get but i think in in general it was very very much uh served a, a serves a crucial purpose um in in the plot i mean would you would you agree with that you mean with the 
Um, yeah, I mean, especially with the time frame that it came in, it's definitely necessary what's going on in the shots or just in the movie in general. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the Old West was not... Was, is, is the Old West, the Wild West. For yeah, it wasn't pretty, <laughs> it wasn't romantic, it wasn't, you know, like, oh, riding off in the sunset. No, you're riding off in the sunset because you just killed the motherfucker. Yeah, like I was saying, you have that opening shot with, like, that long, drawn-out silence, that sense of isolation. Then in the second that there is any human interaction, the first interaction you see in the film, there is, like, guns drawn, no one trusts each other, they want, he wants them to drop his, uh, what's his name, the, uh, the hangman, um, John Ruth, played by uh, Kurt Russell, um, he he makes sure that uh, Samuel L. Jackson's uh, character does not have any way to retaliate because he's in a wagon. He has horses. He has a way out, and that's that's a commodity back then. That could be just something as simple as 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 food could be worth killing someone over, depending on how long you're wandering, especially when there's a blizzard going. Especially out in where were they? Like Wyoming? Like it's or. Where the fuck they were in the like out like out in the, like the Midwest? It was when winter hits. Winter fucking hits. Like you can call <laughs> you can say New England has some bad like harsh winters. No, they have harsh winters because they're like their next door neighbor is Canada. You know, so when someone's out stranded in the middle of the road, someone's like someone's really stranded out in the middle of the road. You know, and again, like at that point, well, I mean, that's that comes up in the film. I mean, like I think, I yeah. think the uh, he. What did he say? His exact words. Um, he uh, well, basically he paid his uh, his driver to not stop for anyone, which he stopped anyway. So I guess he's poor at doing his job. But um, he run into two people, and they're both lost out there, ready to die when when the blizzard comes in, and and that and I think that is is pro- it was was uh, drawn out. But it reinforces the the isolation that you get when they are trapped in this in this cabin, um, and you don't really think they're trapped at first. You get the you get a very um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, warm sense at first when they're welcomed in because when the door busts open and they have that scene where uh, where well, every time uh, the door busts, they're like close the door. You gotta put a nail. Put yeah. a nail in there. Put more nails. <laughs> you yeah, you gotta put more shut. nails in it. Shut the door. Dude, that's like, what. That scene, that that part where there was genius because that I knew Tarantino put that in there for a reason. Establish that shit went down because why on earth would you have to do that to the door? Like nail the door shut every single time. Someone broke that latch. I was like, yeah. Someone so, kicked that door open and shit went down because like. And it has a, a double a double um, meaning, I, I, at least purpose in the film. I mean, before you know like the, the the truth of what's going on, you you get a sense of community from that. Everyone's sort of like yelling at the next person to to keep the door shut. Everyone yelling at, or, or like figuring out ways to uh, to keep the the monotony of it down. Like someone standing by the door. It, it gives it gives a um, what's the word a. Uh, a reason for everyone to work together at first. Yeah, and I love that it became like shtick, you know, just like like yeah. a funny like little joke. Because at first it was like, huh, this like, this is important somehow, you know, just like what, what Dave was saying. But at the same time, I was like, oh, this is also funny. Like I love that Tarantino has so many layers to everything that he does. You know, a conversation and each character. Yeah, a conversation yeah, just to say about that door. Yeah, exactly. A like a conversation <laughs> just isn't a conversation. Like in a Tarantino movie, two characters can be talking about like a stick of gum. But it's the way they'll talk about that stick of gum and the way they'll look at each other. And you're just like, oh, there's something more to this because they're, they're not talking about gum. They don't care about a stick of gum. You know, it's like something's <laughs> no, about I mean, to happen. 
in the in the entire uh, first part of the film is 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 just these three characters sitting in a wagon in a blizzard, just like either like uh, exchanging oh, four characters actually, um, just exchanging um, some, some uh, I guess hate from the uh, the prisoner, from curiosity from the sheriff. Um, I guess paranoia from the hangman, and, and you just you have so much to their characters in this in in a in a, in a wagon ride. Yeah, like each character had a story to tell. And that's what I love about Tarantino. Each one of his characters could like have their own separate book, like their own like anthology, you know, of like how they came to be, who they are, like how they think, and that's what's so cool about about Tarantino movies. And uh, yeah, I... and uh, Dave, I wanted to get like one of your uh, favorite Tarantino movies. Oh, Pulp Fiction. I said that before. Nice. Absolutely, Pulp Fiction. Like, it's, again, it was my first um, introduction to Tarantino when the first movies I saw. I saw it at way too young of an age. I should not have seen it at the age I saw it at. Um, <laughs> That's how I, I started off, too. I had no idea what it was, and I was young, and I was like, huh? What? Is- yeah. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, my brother showed it to me, and I was like, this is awesome, and... Ever since then, like, every Tarantino movie I see, I compare it to that. Because, again, that was my first Tarantino movie. And I felt like... This is a close second. I gotta admit. Hatefully is a close second. I liked Inglorious Bastards. I liked um, Django Unchained. But this really comes close to that classic Tarantino feel of, like, beautifully shot scenes and conversation. You know, like, artistic conversation of what, like, Tarantino was known for. And he still was able to find ways to put some of his, like, signature stuff. Like, what was it? The, um, the cigarette or, like, the tobacco she was smoking. The, uh, apple red tobacco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, snap. He found a way to keep it in there. The only thing he didn't put in there, which was missing from the other, I think, missing from Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, probably because of the time period, was the shot from the trunk. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah, he puts it like in every movie, he has like shot from the trunk, and it's like he's establishing. Even like in um, what's it called? From Dust Till Dawn, he had it also. This when they open the trunk and like the like the cut the prisoners in there, so it's like that's the one thing I was missing. But still, it had all the feel of like Tarantino, and Tarantino's like good at making stuff bloody when it's necessary. You know, like for instance, mm-hmm. for. Reservoir Dogs when Tim Ross' character was like lying on the ground bleeding he actually got a doctor to come in or emergency room doctor and said if someone got shot in the stomach and they waited this long how much blood would be on the floor from them bleeding before they die? <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, he went to that length. <laughs> so, and he does that with all his movies. Like he'll, like he'll say if someone was to bleed this much, I mean granted he went off the wall with Kill Bill but all his other movies including this one it's like it was bloody but not overly bloody you know it was just yeah, like yeah. I was saying earlier it's to reinforce the error yeah like someone got shot and they didn't explode a million pieces and fly across the screen no they just you know they just blew up with blood like you probably would being shot by that caliber of a, of a pistol <laughs> blew, you know blew up with blood that's they blew up but think about it they really did you know yeah no, they get shot there's like, it, like, like that pink mist in the air and blood's everywhere and it's like it was it was, it was more like like like, uh, like a pink like a red bucket of water that yeah <laughs> got shot by a 50 cal like each bullet was like a 50 cal and then like like as if they were shooting a huge bucket of like water balloons <laughs> filled with like red paint I love it though it's it's so over the top because like it, it show I think and I think he started doing that even more 
you know, just to show that, yeah, it's it's ultra violence. Like, this isn't real. <laughs> this is a genre, you know, because uh, I remember when, when he was being attacked for, you know, some of those other movies. And we were like, oh, he makes all these super ultra violent movies. And, and uh, you know, some news reporters were like, uh, oh, you know, do you think, you know, you're, you know, like a reason for some of these like shootings and stuff. And he was like, you can't like pin that stuff on me. I'm a director. I'm doing fantasy. This is not real. It's fiction. <laughs> he was he was like, he was like, look at the way people get shot in my movies. I mean, like, it's not it's not real. You know, just the way they get hit and like the amount that comes out and all, and even that the things the characters say beforehand, they deliver a one-liner or or a situation happens that's a one-liner in itself without even saying it, and then the person gets shot. So he was just like, yeah, it's fantasy, and and that's what I love about Tarantino. He's just like he has such a love for all of his films, you know, and you can see it, you know, like even in like in this movie where he shot it with the the ultra Panavision uh, seventy millimeter film. Um, and it's, which is great for like super wide shots, you know, of, like the beautiful landscape. And, and it was apparent in this movie, you know, I was so, ca- yeah, absolutely. yeah, I was so by it. I thought I was watching like the BBC's, uh, planet earth, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just like, Hey, we yeah, have, no, it made, it made all of those, all of that, all of that, I guess, uh, like white space almost in the, or negative space in the, uh, in the, in the setting. Like when, when you're just seeing them hammering those, those, uh, what do you call it? Things to put the rope through into the, oh, the, the stakes. Yeah. The blizzard going. Um, you have the opening scene with the, the snow. You have, you have what? No, I was thinking of um, with uh, Obi, the driver. Like when uh, the line he says when he comes in after the stakes, and he goes, "I am you asshole. I almost died out there. I am never going out there again." He goes to the wall, wraps himself in front, of, wraps himself in like the bear skin, and just falls right in front of the fire. I was dying, and everyone checks on him. Obi, are are you okay? Yeah. I just, I just, need, I just need to warm up. That's so all. I'll be fine. Do you want, do you want some stew? Yeah. You want some stew? <laughs> you want some stew? I'll, I'll have stew later. And they're like, okay. They're like, yeah. generally, well, they're generally <laughs> concerned about the guy. It was so great. I and mean, that's actually something that one of the strengths of this film. Like, like I said, this is my second um, Tarantino film. The first one I saw, the only other one I saw was Inglorious Bastards, and that film was a little bit more fantastic in 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 what the characters were doing. Like, I I was expecting the humor and not taking the violence seriously because I. It was a little bit more of, of a cartoon than than this film. This film has has these characters be very very real, at, at least in my opinion. I, mm-hmm. I felt that when they were talking, when they were having this dialogue, this exchange, I was getting the sense that I was talking to like a friend at like a bar, where we we were just having having a chill hangout, and and it humanized these characters in a different way. So that when one said a when one is having a kind of like a a rough time and they were ranting about it. I laughed about it like I would if a friend were. Damn, that's heartless, Amber. Oh, well, I mean, like, <laughs> you're ranting about just food. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> I, I agree with Amber. It was, it was a very, like, at least at first, very kind of, very realistic start to the movie. Oh, yeah, it reinforced, like, this, this I guess, like a home-like feel to the cabin, at least until the truth was revealed. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like it was very like even from the from the get go, like it, it it's actually just a lot of great foreshadowing. Like you know, the first time you see Samuel Jackson, he just has this badass like wide shot where he slowly looks up from the brim of his hat, and you're just like, God fucking damn it, that's cool. With, like the snow going and everything, and it really sets himself up as like he's the hero. He's more he's the most clever out of everyone ever. Although uh, Kurt Russell is like a very John Wayne type. Like, the way he talked, the way he handled himself, um, his morals were kind of aligned with more of, like, the good guy, your typical good guy. 
you know he right, yeah i never got the sense that he was he ever had anyone's um he was never he didn't have any ill will towards anyone he was he was just worried about his own skin he was like i want i have my mission my yeah. goal and i need to get from point a to point b yeah and he i mean the fact that he never has personally killed he's a bounty hunter but he's never killed anyone personally like he always that's why they call him the hangman he always brings his uh you know his his bounty to the hangman for him to do the dirty work and i think that was very <laughs> interesting you know it's it, like he doesn't actually kill anyone in the movie you know, which is cool. that's true. Yeah, he doesn't. He's the only yeah, one who doesn't really kill anybody. And he's he's like a he's a teddy bear too. Like yeah, when you think about it, he um, how betrayed he felt when Major Marquis Warren was just like, you know, they figure out that that infamous Lincoln letter is is a fraud. Oh, that was great. He was heartbroken. Yeah. He was betrayed by I this. Felt bad for him. Well, he he genuinely looked up to Major Warren. Like, like he was just like yeah. you're a good dude. You have the letter from Lincoln to prove it, and like you know you're brave. You're brave major from the war. Like this is awesome. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, like that that lie had him transcend what he would have probably been doing in that oh, era, absolutely. which was like cold hard racism. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And the, and the and, movie doesn't and then, mask then, that at all, like by any means. Yeah. Um. But like he sees it, he was genuinely betrayed, and that from that point on. Was like the downfall of of John Roth the hang or John Ruth the hangman, right? Yeah, like sure. But I mean, like, and it also served uh, to to prove the major's point, though, where he only was saying like oh, that, yeah. that letter is to is is to right. take people off. Uh, what what's, what what was the word? He he, he said um, it's used to disarm them. Disarm people, yeah. yeah, yeah. I disarmed the white man, which is I mean, it's it's accurate. And he even says like it got me on that stagecoach, didn't it? <laughs> and like, yeah, it fucking did. You goddamn right, it did. And he was so mad. He was like, "Damn it, you're right." Yeah. And I, I can like totally believe that someone in like the West would would absolutely have any, have any item they could just to give them a better chance of survival. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in that day, it was near impossible to. That's what saved his life. Yeah, I mean, probably, I mean in that day, it was near impossible <laughs> to a survive, but b like you know to prove that something's counterfeit. And why would you at that point? You know, you just kind of it was just a more, a more, a more yet less trusting time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I think everyone did a fantastic job at portraying the characters that they were playing. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee as Daisy Domergu was fucking fantastic. She was a rough bitch. I'm gonna tell you that. Like, I don't know any other way to describe her. Like the way Kurt Russell. I mean, like he was like pretty stand up guy. He did beat the shit out of her, and she just like never cried. Never wavered, just took it, and knew what was coming up in the in the cabin. She had the smugness about her. Oh yeah, it was great. And like, and I just love that scene though, where uh, where when he's trying to explain, uh, when Kurt Russell is trying to explain to everyone in the uh, in the cottage, like what what he, what what they're where they're going, what they're going to do to her, and he's like, we're going to hang her, and she does just does that face and that <laughs> that reaction where she like she's being hanged. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cracked up on that. Scene. Oh, that was great. I mean, even <laughs> even like when we first really see her, she's peering out at. Uh, Warren from the stagecoach and you see her black eye is the only one that she will let you see. That was really cool. That shows me that, you know, she's not afraid to take a punch. She's not afraid to show off that she's tough. And it's it almost feels too like fake too. Like she's putting up an act. You know what I mean? Like the whole time she's really like putting on this act, putting you know, really bluffing, trying to like 
not give. Yeah, it, it was the thing that that made her endearing to me early on. When I realized what was happening, I was like, "Oh no, oh no, she's acting this way because she knows." Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> what was? The, yeah, she knows she's like, not. Da- Damagyu has a secret, or something. Was the name of the chapter? Yeah. Oh yeah. And like, I loved it. Like, I love when she's um, when she takes she spits on the note because she realizes. I think she's the first to really realize it's a fake. So she spits on it, and then and then uh, Major Warren just like slaps her right out of the stagecoach. And then since she's handcuffed to uh, the hangman, he goes along with her. It was, it, was just, it was just like those great like little scenes that are just what make this chain reaction that just escalated matters. Oh yeah, yeah. Went from from a letter to to a spit to a smack to falling out the car. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it was great. It all happened so quickly too. <laughs> but throughout yeah. that entire movie, man, she got her ass handed to her. Like oh, every yeah. other God, scene. Yeah. yeah. Did she? Was were her teeth broken? Yeah. When At the end. Yeah. 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 Well, he told her like if he ever tried if she tried ever tried anything he would knock her front teeth out and that's the oh, last so, so, like, fucking thing he did. He actually did break did. her teeth because I wasn't sure if, that, if her, when when I noticed later on in the film I was like were they always like that? no they weren't no he he literally because <laughs> okay. like she smiled a lot and I kind of noticed that but his last right. dying act was to do what he promised her he would do if she ever tried anything and like that's what's yeah. really interesting is. Um, the hangman and Major Warren are like the only people who are like of their word. You know what I mean? Like even well, you could you could argue the ma- the other sheriff. I mean, even that though, he was he was listening out to deals. Like he wavered pretty hard. He wait. I mean, like did he? No, laugh? he didn't. He oh, didn't he waver. Did. He didn't waver at all. Like he no, did. He, it. he was thinking. He like no. So he did it to know. give her hope. I don't know. He did it to give her hope. I don't think so. Because he, like, he, he, he said it right there. He's like, there's nothing you can do to give me... He just did it to give her hope. That was about it. Even Samuel... I mean, even uh, Warren, like, knew it at that point also. He started laughing when he said, no, nah, you have nothing to give me. He's like... He was only doing it just to fuck with her. Yeah, I don't, so I don't think Maddox, he was. Like, Vishwarev was the character throughout the entire film that I thought I would hate the most. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> and it did. scene <laughs> where he... Where he... Go, where he, where he um, reveals that he was just messing with her the whole time, and he just heard her, he was listening to her her deal that he legitimately would have won out on. That would have that would have worked out for him. He would have he would no one would have been the wiser. I feel like it, and if, he didn't go against his. Wife. I feel like if she gave him her brother, he would have turned against Samuel L. Jackson. Really, I that's that's the impression I got. No, I actually, I by the end of the film, I really liked his character, and and I that was probably one of the most surprising things for myself. Yeah, actually, do you do you guys know where uh, that actor's name who played Sheriff Chris Mannix is? Walton Goggins. Do you know where he's from? He, no, I recognize him from the. Let's see, from the Shield. They used to be on FX. Yeah, he was also in Shanghai Noon. Yeah. Um Sons of Anarchy. Actually, he played uh, transgender. Really? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he um, was. I don't know if anyone's seen that. He uh, he was yeah, actually a very it. integral role at the end. Yeah, he was the one who uh, Tiggs ended up being like obsessed with. Yeah, and everyone was yeah. just like, sh- and, and Jack was like, "Should I be worried?" And he was like, uh, "I don't know." <laughs> Everyone's like, "I don't know." It's kind of kind of normal for him, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's that's how I know him from uh, from Sons of Anarchy, which was really cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. To, to me, his breakout role was uh, in Django. Like he he was using that too, but yeah, he's he's been in uh, in a lot of things. But yeah, when I saw him in uh, in Sons of Anarchy, I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, oh, that is that guy. Like, what? Look at this guy. He has like a huge acting range. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. fantastic, and that's like, probably he what was, got him the gig. 
Yeah, he was like so dubious in Sons of Anarchy too. Just the way he he played the role, like he really oh, like yeah. like 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 played those guys. And in the end, they're just like, listen, like you owe us stuff. You need to talk to us. And he's like, okay, 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 okay. okay. And Tiggs was like, back off, back off of her, leave her alone. And they're like, Tiggs, like, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even in this, like, I had, I mean, just was, he was able to convey such a, like a despicable character up until that moment. We no one really knew what he was going to do. Like he could he he could have gone either way with that. Yeah. with that uh, bargain. Yeah. Um, something else that I noticed, uh, Tim Roth, who played Oswaldo Mowbray, um, I really liked his character because, like, when he drops the act of being Oswaldo, like he goes back into his oi. What's the fuck's going on? Like, you know, that kind of like... Because he's so prim and proper before. And, you know, I'm a hangman. Knows what's all Mowbray. And he, like, has cards and all that shit. But as soon as it drops, I'm just like, there's the Tim Roth I know and love. Yeah. I have a question about his character, actually. Yeah. So when he uh, when he asked for the sheriff's papers and then the sheriff asked him for his, yep. where did he get those papers from? It, or was it just that, that the sheriff was that bad at his No, the, he, they said themselves they went to that town first. Yeah. And they probably yeah, they, did. They had been preparing for this. Oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, they said like right at the end they went to that town first, and they probably did have other gang members there, but not as many as they were saying. You know, oh, they definitely didn't have. So that the town many. was already was oh right wait when they when they killed the original sheriff, right? No. No, when they they originally the whole plan their plan was to save Daisy, um, because her brother was like leader of the gang, so their whole plan was to like save her from that from from Habitagery first. But if they couldn't save her there, if they couldn't, like, get her, then they would get her at Red Rock, the the town they were going to. So they went to Red Rock first, got set up, and then went to, like, the Haberdashery. Okay. But wait, I, so, I, so they, they didn't actually... Because I, I, thought, I, I thought at some point in the movie they said that, that that's the reason he was going there as the replacement sheriff, was because the old one was... Oh, yeah, that's exactly what he was going there for. But yeah. they probably went... They, they had nothing to do with, like, the sheriff being killed. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Also, who saw Channing Tatum coming? Didn't I didn't know? I, I, I knew he was nowhere, in it. dude. He actually did I, pretty well. He I did. knew he was in it, and I was actually the whole movie. I was like, "Where the fuck is he? Bob? Where the fuck?" And again, I just don't recognize <laughs> him. And then, um, and then you know, he he shows up at the end of that that chapter. I was like, "Ah, there he is." <laughs> but like, I definitely I heard I read somewhere. I think it was like when they were first casting the movie. There was huge all over. I'm surprised you guys didn't see it. It was just like Channing Tatum, the next Quentin Tarantino movie, and like. A lot of people are like, "Wait, what?" Because usually Quentin Tarantino sticks to like the you know the actors he knows or or relative unknowns. Like, you know, um, Tatum is just like a super well known actor at this point. He does pretty much everything. So, at the same time, kinda, though, I bet yeah. you he's a fucking fan of Tarantino movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I would and he heard what someone was coming out. He that's why he's probably at the end. He didn't ask for like a lead role or a big role. Yeah, yeah. He got a role that was he on he was on screen for exactly five minutes. Yep. You yeah, know? people were still were so against him playing Gambit. I I'm still like that accent doesn't sell me on it at all. Like he had kind of a southern accent, and some of it's kind of sounded Gambit-y, but like it's still I was kind of like, ooh, I hope that's not the direction he goes in. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Just he just doesn't have that Gambit feel. No. Also, me. also like it was stopped pretty much. Like they're like, oh, it's not happening now. You know, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it still is though. I thought. No, the last time I heard, like it was, it was, it was uh, done. Like, at least, like uh, from from uh, from the the, the Channing Tatum camp, like yeah, it's not, it's not happening with him. Or that thing was at all. was on and off more than a couple on the CW. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, 
so yeah. ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I actually thought he he did a good job. I was surprised. I was like, holy crap, he's he's doing good. And I mean, I, I guess it must be the the director, like you know Tarantino, and I guess everybody else in the cast like brought that out in him. You know what I mean? Because he makes all these like blah movies, you know, like these like fun movies, you know, nothing too serious. But uh, you know, at you know like. Uh... <laughs> Oh man, he, he and Jonah Hill can just continue making those ridiculous movies, those Twenty Two Jump Streets, and I would, I, I'd, I'd keep watching him. Not in theater, <laughs> not in theater, but I'd keep watching him. But uh, yeah, like a serious movie like this, I guess like Tarantino and the cast members brought it out in him, so it was good to see. I was like, huh, I wonder, you know, if Tarantino would bring him into another movie he would make and maybe give him like a little bit bigger of a role. Like, how how would he do? You know, would he be like a surprise, like really good character? Because yeah, like Dave mm-hmm. said, I I think he did he did a good job for for his role. I was pleasantly surprised. At the yeah. same time, though, an actor is only as good as their director. Like I've seen great actors, like for instance, not to bring it back to this, but Natalie Portman in the Star Wars prequel trilogy. You know, <laughs> she's a great actress. But she didn't do that well of a job in the movie, you know, as a couple. Well, I mean, if the, if the script isn't great, yeah. even if the script is bad, if the director is really good, they can get a good just performance out of their actor. It just depends on the director yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, look at Natalie Portman and V for Vendetta. Amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. You felt everything, and yeah. pretty much every other movie she's in. But yeah, in in the Star Wars prequels, like kind of kind of fell flat. But then again, you know that. Scripts weren't <laughs> great directing. I feel like, like most of the actors fell flat in the Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, something else to I wanted to kind of throw out there is that I got like a, I love this movie. I got a super strong Reservoir Dogs vibe off of it. Not just the, with the way it was shot, but just the ending. Like it ended almost the exact same way, where like everyone's dead. <laughs> Every I, although in, in Reservoir Dogs, Mr. Pink did survive, but like you know, when I went into it, I was like, yeah, cool. Like it'll be like you know, takes place mostly in one location, very Reservoir Dogs ish. Um, the way there's the whole animosity and the distrust between everyone in that cabin, very Reservoir Dogs esque. When they realize that you know one of them's a rat, uh, and then it ends with like, I mean, it, it was awesome how uh, Daisy ended up meeting her demise where uh warren yeah warren and manix were just like you know what we're not gonna shoot you in the face you know when the hangman catches you you will hang so they just kind of like did this like really like haphazard like hanging of her and i thought for sure for sure i got this like crazy idea where like what if she just like fake dying and then just like when they passed out, just like cut herself loose and just slipped? But then away. when they let go of let go of the ru- of the of yeah, the, yeah something she didn't fall and I was like okay she's definitely yeah dead. yeah well, like when as soon as like they came to and they saw her feet I was like or you saw uh, the hangman's hand hanging from her wrist which is actually kind of funny now I'm thinking about it the hangman's hand <laughs> actually, was hanging yeah. from her wrist that is some ironic yeah. Uh, Visual. I guess he did have a hand in her demise after all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, I don't know if you guys got. Yeah, also this. Hmm? No, I was just saying I don't know if you guys got that vibe off of it too, but I definitely got a strong Reservoir Dogs vibe, uh, toward, at the, especially at the end of it, which I like, oh, I know, which okay. is great. But you haven't seen and Reservoir Dogs, so you wouldn't get that vibe. Of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're saying. No, but I, I mean, also just it was this great conclusion to this these two characters' journey. For they sure. just go from from being at each other's 
throats and one literally uh, trying to calling the other one a liar the entire film the other telling him that if he like doesn't shut up he's gonna go at him or whatever they, by the end they have this this bond I mean of course because they're, they're the only survivors sure. but they've just been they've uh, they've just finally come to this agreement and and, they're, and they, they, they they're like friends at the end yeah 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 but um I mean it's definitely overall like just there's so many twists and turns it's one of those films that uh, upon your second viewing like I'm actually really excited to see it for a second time oh, it's going to be completely different I'm totally going to look for Channing Tatum in the background <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah like it's it's just like these characters their motivations their the, those those lines like when the uh, the general uh, General Stanford Smithers um, he, uh, he he says that line to uh, to the hangman when he walks up to him when, he, when he's trying to interrogate all of the people in the cabin and and the general turns to him and goes, I don't have anything to say to you. But then you find out later from the flashbacks that they told him straight up, you have nothing to say to that man. Yeah. So and it just, every every single character, every single emotion, every single, um, I guess, uh, move they make has so much more purpose. Whereas before, you just thought it was people trying to pass the time by. Now you know it's them plotting. Yeah. Well, that was such a good, like, I'm glad you brought that up, because that was such a great, like, just, like, I don't know, not parallel, but, like, it was just a, just a great, like, way, because the shit's going down in the movie, and you're going, and things are just escalating, 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 and then it's just, like, but let's take a minute, let's let's see what this place was like a day prior, and it was just, like, <laughs> hey there, Minnie, we got some folks here who want to have some of your famous coffee, and it's just, like, rainbows and sunshine and like <laughs> nothing but good times and yeah, it's just happy such... it's like hey how much for this liquor it's, oh you can get a couple for a couple cents i was like yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's just such like a, it's so off-putting you're like and how horrible was like how polite that these four guys were like they were so polite and nice and it's like oh my god you guys are horrible you're about to yeah. kill you everyone so in bad here for every single person that person begging for her that one girl begging for her life yeah and no, fuck that sweet Dave, the guy in the chair. He fucking like, I think he died the worst. First, he gets stabbed in his fucking chest, you know, or no, stabbed yeah. in the back, yeah. and then like he falls over and he just knifes the shit out of the guy on the floor. It's like <laughs> that's pretty. You awful. know, you can shoot someone. At least it might kill him quickly, but to knife someone and keep on stabbing him, that's commitment. You know, <laughs> like I mean, that really takes a lot to do to a, to a person. You know. It's like yeah. you you feel them die. You feel that knife scrape against bone as you're stabbing them. Not that I've done many stabbings, but I'm just saying. Yeah, it's not, you sound like you're <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You you feel when that knife scrapes against bone. So it's like that's commitment, man. That's like shit. This is where we really learn about Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like how um, Major Warren pretty much pieced most of it together. Just by look, taking in his surroundings and yeah, and, like, like, and I actually I felt bad for uh, for Bob the Mexican oh <laughs> early on in the film. I thought he was he was being grilled way too hard. I was like, yeah. what up? He's just some guy trying to help herd the horses. No, uh, <laughs> Major Warren was just like, how long you been here? He was like, oh, six months. He goes, you know about the sign that was over that bar there two years ago? And it was just like, no dogs, no Mexicans, and she took it down. You know why? He's like, no, why? Because she started letting in dogs. Was <laughs> I like, was like, my <laughs> God. That is That's so funny. There are so racist right then. But oh, uh, no, yeah, I, so I, I loved how Sam Jackson was just trying to find out. You know, uh, Major Marquise Warren uh, was trying to find out about about uh, about the Mexican, you know, which is what they call him in, in the film. 
you know, and he was like, huh, oh, interesting, because he kept seeing things that were wrong, like the, the, the stew that was made, which is like uh, her her famous stew, and like when, when he was out in the barn talking to him, he was, and the guy was just like, dude, why do you keep grilling me? He's like, because uh, I don't know about you, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I trust you. Like something, yeah, something's fishy going on here. He didn't call him a liar yet. Yeah, yeah. that's such a great line. Are you calling me a liar? No, I didn't necessarily say you were a liar. I didn't, I didn't say it yet. <laughs> and uh, then afterwards, I now now I'm calling you a liar. It's like, yeah. man, that stuff is written for Sam Jackson. It's um, just absolutely written for Sam Jackson to deliver. It's so good. Yeah, it, it, this was definitely a movie to showcase Samuel Jackson. I think, and everyone did a fantastic job. Everyone. But for me, Samuel Jackson and Jennifer Jason Lee just stole the show. No, absolutely. Like, they were fantastic. And it, and it bums me out, because this, this film isn't doing as well as it could. And there's, there's three like things people have, have pointed to um, as, as, as to why. And, uh, one of them being Star I mean, the Wars. First, the first yeah, major one being yeah, Star, Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Um, it's just like, it, all the hype is there. I mean, this movie is like... Even as we were saying on, on the preview cast, like it didn't even, it almost didn't even get the uh, the theater showing that it deserved because because some higher up at Disney was like, oh, if you don't if you don't only show Star Wars, then we're not giving you any more films. So I think the film definitely suffered um, because of that. Well, I I but also other... think that Quentin Tarantino movies generally don't do all that well. That's but, true. I mean, That's very theater. true. I, mean, I think this is the second worst performing film. I mean, I, I take this with a grain of salt, but I, I I think this is the second worst performing film so so far. I mean, yeah, it's still kind of early in its in its run, but but um, I think one of the other other things is that people pointed to was its runtime. This is a really long movie. It didn't feel that long. To, I mean, I know it was three hours ten minutes, but it didn't feel like three hours ten minutes. What? Was it? Was it more? I thought it was almost three hours. No, I thought it was. I think it's just. It was. That's no, what, it was. Little, it was less. A little less than three hours. More like. Are you two, sure? The original cut was more. It was like two forty-seven. Well, I don't know. So, uh, IMDb quoted me three hours ten minutes. Maybe that's why I felt like less than three hours ten minutes because it actually was. <laughs> it was like two forty-seven. Like <laughs> wasn't like in the most of it. Like at the end was mostly like um, credits anyway. So yeah. the full runtime goes from like when the movie starts, like when the final credit goes past. So that's what it means by actual runtime. But the movie itself was like very, very. It wasn't short. It was un, just under three hours. Weird, yeah. Because uh, IMDb definitely says three hours seven minutes. Huh. Maybe, maybe I know for a fact it was two forty-seven. I'll put it that way. I won't have you name your. Yeah, the other thing, and I don't, I don't think this, this, um, this third reason is is actually is too valid. But it's it's still interesting that people are talking about it, and it's uh it's that there there was a. A lot of conservatives were boycotting the film because of Tarant- Tarantino's presence at uh, at rallies that are against p- police brutality, and so that he earned a lot of uh, ill will from from a lot of conservative groups that were that uh, are um, I guess anti police brutality, right? Yeah, which which is so ridiculous. And, and in an interview, he says, you know, there are, there are people who don't take enough stands. Like he was saying that uh, that he as a person felt injustice, especially like since like Tarantino has, has pretty much like everyone knows Tarantino has immersed himself into black culture. Like even before Django, like like people need to realize like he's 
he's grown up with every single kind of person, every single kind of person. So to him, he doesn't live in just like a Caucasian American like cul-de-sac, <laughs> you know. Right, which which when he's been what he's been seeing in the news, like he can't he can't stomach it. It literally sickens him. Yeah, that and it, and you it's, see what's happening, and you and you can't say nothing. You have to. You, you almost have to. Yeah, and 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 it's ridiculous because he he feels that like you know people uh, that were attacking him, the conservatives were like, hey, you're supposed to be like on our side, and he's just like, what the hell are you talking? talking about the only side is like america <laughs> you know which yeah, is a melting like pot of the... people and a certain group of people are being targeted and being murdered in the streets so he's just like we need this to stop you know and he, he was saying it's not that he's like anti-police he's like anti like murdering people you know what i mean yeah so right, and he, he's got he's even said he he's He's made a point to meet with the families who, who have lost their their children their husbands in in these in these in these cases and and, and it and it says you can't go back after after you after you actually have that human interaction and it was great to see someone like as big and well known as he is like up on the podium like like you know talking about it which made people mad because just like okay he's a person you know why should he remain indifferent i remember like people uh you know they're protesting him saying oh he needs to remain indifferent blah 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 he's not like the king of siam <laughs> he's a person he's a well-known director yeah but he's a human being and he said that too he's like you can't then- just turn a blind eye to this i mean it's a real thing that's happening it's been happening in a huge frequency and especially now in modern modern day where we have like uh cameras in our phones and stuff like that like we're actually seeing the injustice and and as we said him meeting meeting with the families like you you know you feel it you it, you it's real it's not a thing that you put aside because again you live on a cul-de-sac and it's happening further away through your tv screen you know what i mean yeah and, and can, we, can we just like highlight how ridiculous it is that people are are, are yelling at i'm like oh you're you're a director stick to directing and when, when when all we do is is um is promote how stars are are going to these to these countries and helping out the helping out these third world countries and, and or helping random causes out like just because a celebrity is suddenly helping a cause that that maybe like someone that you don't agree with now now it's not okay for people who who have who have as big a voice as 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 these people in media to 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 say something and it, it seriously and it gets me mad too because like people in this country look to celebrities you know for you know as as idols and as like role models and stuff and it's like okay some of them have uh you know where they give a lot of their money millions of dollars to animal foundations to homeless shelters all this sort of stuff but like nobody bad tonight you know quentin tarantino talks about you know the, the the killing of police officers against black people and everyone's like oh boycott his movies this is terrible it's like really Come on, like, dude, come on. Yeah, and some somewhat I'm hearing also just like highlights what what like a shallow understanding some people have of his films. Like, like they're only about the violence. Like, someone's like, oh, well, Quentin Tarantino's talking about police brutality. Yeah, because the violence in this film isn't there just to glor isn't there to glorify violence. It's never been about that. It's there. It's there to reinforce how awful a situation is, how real the situation. Oh yeah, I remember when he, he was in an interview and he's talking about that because yeah, they try to point it out to him. They're like, well, isn't it that you know, hypocrisy? Uh, you're talking about like violence and in, in your movies, you got all this stuff and everything. And he was just like, yeah, but that's not real. <laughs> and I was like, that should have been it right there. Like, you shouldn't have to tell another adult. But yeah, what I'm showing you isn't real. Like, you know that, right? It's not. And they're like, like, yeah, but even though it's not, it's fictitious. You're still doing all this stuff, and you're portraying it. Blah 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 blah. blah. He was just like, yeah, but it's still, you know, not like a police officer shooting and killing an innocent, unarmed person or whatever, or a child. In unfortunately, in some of these cases, 
you know, it's in this case, Hateful Eight, a Western, <laughs> you know, where full grown people are shooting at each other or in, in Django where, you know, it was of the time, like where things were going on, you know, in Kill Bill, a, a crazy fantasy, huge fantasy where Uma Thurman was slicing up uh, people with a samurai sword. Like, come on. Yeah. 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 Well, anyways, guys, it's getting to be about that time. Just over an hour into our podcast. Or I ask you guys my infamous secret question. Secret question. <laughs> so my secret question is a little brief, which is good because we're running a little bit late. Um, but I want to ask you guys. Obviously, this movie was great, well shot, it was fantastic, and it, it, towards the end, it kind of became a, a who done it, right? We, mm-hmm. we they established that there are two people working to free, at least two people working to free Daisy Domergu. And they actually kind of make you think it's only the two. Uh, before the big reveal where it was pretty much fucking everyone in the cabin was working to free her. I want to ask you, who are the two people you thought were working to get her out of there? And I'm going to start with Amber. <laughs> well, as always. I'm prepared this time. Nah, god damn it. <laughs> so I was 100% certain it was the sheriff. Yeah. Because he was the one who had the cup almost in his mouth where he was going to drink the poison. Now, maybe, I, I mean, it turned out he was just an idiot. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, when I saw that, I was like, that's the perfect cover. Make everyone think you were about to poison yourself to death so that no one would think you were about to poison <laughs> that you were about to poison everyone. Yeah. Who do you think the other person was? No, I was, I mean, I was just 100% certain it was, it was him. I, I didn't even have a second. I was just, I, it was him all along working with her. Because he, he showed up later yeah. uh, in the in the cart after after um, the major showed up. So it was kind of like fishy that, that he was there in the first place. Cause, uh, and then right after he showed up, there was that comment. A lot of people wandering before a blizzard. So I, I was kind of suspicious right off the bat. Yeah. And uh, again, up until, up until that moment where he, where he, uh, or he sided with um, the major. I uh, I totally thought he was he was a villain. Uh, what about you, Dave? Joe Gage, Michael Madsen's character. Like, yeah, I seriously thought he was the guy for a bit because he was just too, too quiet. You know, sitting yeah. in the corner, not doing anything. Like even um, Oswaldo seemed like he was legit, like on level. He brought out the piece of pa- the paperwork out of his yeah, out of yeah. his pocket. Like when he pulled a gun out and fired at them, like during that shoot scene. I was shocked. I was surprised. I was like, oh, shit. He wasn't on the level. Fuck. You know, I was, <laughs> I was like 100% sure it was Michael Madsen's character. Like, just because he's in the corner, not saying much, the way he talked, how upset he was when he was going to give away his gun. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, if you're innocent, just give up the gun. You know, like, that's, he was like, he was like, like. But at the same time, back in those days, your gun was your life. So he's like, really? You wanted me to give this thing up? Like, this thing has saved my life. It's, you know, I've used it to, to hunt and everything. Like, it's it's your world. So he's like, really? It's kind of like, like a like a samurai sword. Like, well, like for the, the Western. At the time, when you entered a town in, a, in like, the West, they, they had you hand your gun over. That is true to a degree, yeah. Yeah. I'm but just the way, town, he did, but... the way he did it, though. If you want my, he was about to say, if you want my gun, you got to take it from me. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, so it's like just that alone was like he's probably not on the level. But again, Oswaldo, that shocked me. I did not expect him to be part of it at all. Even with like Bob, I kind of like figure something was up the way like <laughs> Sam Jackson was grilling him, you know. Yeah. 
But even he, I was like, oh, maybe he's just like a new guy and he's just kind of, you know, fucking shit up. You know, this, the, you know how the, the new guy always, anytime a new guy starts a job, he just fucks shit up. I yeah, kind of yeah. thought it was that, so. But I thought his name was Bob. I'm Madsen. <laughs> I, I kind of thought that, like, my first impression is of Joe, Joe Gage, because, like, his story was like, go to see my mom for Christmas. And they're like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I that. But like that. what if that was true? Like that if that was true, that would have reminded me of Dave. Like Dave yeah. would be like the quiet guy sitting just like writing in his journal, minding his own business, and they come up to him and you know, Dave, you're a big dude. Be like, What's your story? Oh, I'm going to see my mom for Christmas. Be like, yeah, fucking right, pal. It's also very similar to uh Bob Mexican's story for why the uh, normal crew wasn't at the cottage. Oh yeah, because they went off on the other side of the yeah, mountain. Yeah, it just goes to show that the lack of originality with their with their group. <laughs> yeah, well, with some well, of them. Off to yeah. see their parents. Yeah, I think um, Oswaldo definitely had the more interesting backstory because I, I feel like he's just like a grifter over in London and came over here to like continue because he probably just was wanted in too many places. So he was definitely seemed like the more experienced out of all of them. So he had the more fleshed out backstory. It was more believable, even that the accent and the, the ridiculous clothes to go with it. Where Joe Gage is just like wearing that black cowboy hat. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, I'm here to see my mom." I actually and thought it was. Even, like, uh, I actually thought it was Os- Oswaldo because he was so nice. He was so polite. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is this is a Tarantino flick. This guy is way too nice. Yeah, way right? too on the up and up. Way too official. No one would suspect him. So when he turns, you're gonna be like, "Oh shit!" And then you know he started shooting up, which it did end up happening. I didn't think there was a second gunman. Because I figured, you know, this is like like uh, like an old school clue for all intents and purposes. So I was like, okay, there's got to be somebody in the library with the candlestick. So I was like, okay, Tim yeah. Roth, Oswaldo, in the cabin with, with the gun. And there's the way he was looking at everybody. And, you know, he just gave up his gun. And he was like, uh, Kurt Russell's character, uh, the hangman, was like, oh, I'm going to need your gun just to make sure we're all in the up and up here. Because I'm taking her to hang. Now, I don't know any of you, and then when he started interrogating everybody, Oswaldo was like, sure, yeah, take it, safety is safety. And I was like, no, he has another weapon hidden somewhere. He's going to spring it out on everybody, and he's going to destroy everyone to rescue her. Because he gave it up too quickly, and back then, yeah. like I said, like it, it's like a samurai sword for the West, you know, for, oh, yeah. for North America. Absolutely. You know, like that was your gun. So, and, and just the way, and, and because like Tim Roth, you know, I love when he plays villains, like he's, he's really, really good at it. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I was like, it's got to be Tim Roth. I mean, Michael Madsen's character, I thought, at one point, at one point, I did think uh, uh, Gage was going to be the guy, but he was a bit too suspect. Like, they yeah. looked at him too shifty-eyed. Like, okay, you're pointing us to Gage. You're pointing yeah. us to him. So I'm just like, okay. I mean, well, Michael Madsen, amazing performance. I mean, I, I think I think he was a really cool, I think he was like the coolest character in 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 the cabin and really quickly like well i just want everyone just just to name like they're they who they thought was the coolest character in this movie before we continue with uh greg's your question oh definitely for me uh major marquise warren hands down mm. no i agree yeah. uh, okay, john john yeah, the I'll, hangman i'll say that like more warren was that not just because he was sam jackson but like how intelligent his character was yeah like, he was a badass, but he was fucking smart. Like, he knew exactly <laughs> what he was walking into when he went into that cabin. He didn't know exactly who was responsible. He didn't plan for that last guy. Yeah, but, but he knew something happened. He knew something was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, like, batman the shit out of that situation. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he totally did. The one thing I want to point out really quick before we move on, though, is, like, I just wanted to, like, point out, like, the family aspect between the gang. I don't know if you guys caught caught that, but like yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, they were there to visit his sister, but right before, but right before Bob went out to like meet them at the stagecoach, 
they gave him a hug and they're like, good luck. You know, it was like, there's like a real like aspect to those guys. Even though that they're mad dog killers, they still consider each other family. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Even with like Tar- Tarantino always does that with like, they the, the group stays like family oriented in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, um, really quickly too, I like how they stuck with the mystery like Tarantino, as we kind of discussed in the preview podcast, always has that like one mysterious element to his movies. And for a while, I thought it was going to be the Lincoln letter. And then they finally read it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of bummer. Like that, what I thought was the suitcase with the golden object inside that we'll never know. But then I realized uh, the suitcase and the golden object is actually the backstory of the gang. We never know what their full backstory is. We never really know what Joe Gage is to Daisy Domergue. Like, he calls her, like, honey or something like that at one point. So it was, something's implied there. But we never really know. And we're kind of led to believe that they're those classic outlaws and, you know, but we never really know if they're really bad guys. I mean, they murdered a whole bunch of people. But, like, <laughs> in that in that time, like, you know, everyone was murdering everyone pretty much. We never know if it's, like, if they're the lovable kind or if they're the deceitful kind or if they're generally bad guys or not. Because they only, I mean, they murdered everyone in that place only to get their leader's sister back and we don't know exactly what she did so i thought that was that was pretty interesting callback to his previous films um but anyway sir you said you thought it was um who'd you say you think it was again uh i was saying that i I thought it was uh gage yeah yeah, oh, I know, I know, yeah, 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 for your, your second question, I thought it was uh, Oswaldo, because, yeah. like, everybody else was, like, way too, like, you know, like, uh, like the, the sheriff was way, it's like, ah, of course it would be him, you know, but at the same yeah, time, yeah. he seems kind of dumb, like, he doesn't have it all together, but, yeah, I was thinking Oswaldo, sure. yeah. Yeah, um, I actually thought, uh, now I'm remembering, because you mentioned, you know, the fact that you thought, like, Joe Gage was a little too obvious, and, like, you know, of course you'd want it, he was almost like a red herring. Yeah. That's what I started to think about it as, like, you know, the classic, like, detective, like, red herring. And actually, um, if you watch it again, he was wearing a red scarf for most of it. Mm. And then when he gets, like, you know, his uh, neck nicked, he actually takes that off and puts on a yellow one, which I thought, I think, looking back onto it, is interesting foreshadowing. Where, like, yeah, you, we want you to think it's him, and you're probably thinking he's not really going to be him because you're thinking this is a red herring. But we're how about this? To make him less of a red herring, we're going to take away the color red. <laughs> from his costume really interesting. yeah I, I thought that was pretty pretty cool um i thought for sure that it was bob the mexican partnered up with um with i for a while i thought it was obi in all honesty because how ridiculous would that have been uh but i thought for sure it was him partnered up with chris mannix because mm-hmm. like like at first it was like yeah whatever the mexican but then as soon as uh Marquis warren started to like poke holes into his story i was like oh my god yeah like what the fuck's going on with this guy like how is he the only one here when like it's obvious that like um minnie who was who is not white herself hated mexicans which is pretty interesting you know so why would she hire this guy she has all these rules like the no hat rule like that wasn't everyone was wearing their hat when they got in like, there's all these little things he started nitpicking at, and he, I think his, like, my instant clicking with his character made me see his point of view a lot easier, and then I just never really trusted Chris Mannix until the end when he turned out to be an all right guy. Because <laughs> he was, like, too all right, you know? Like, I, the what Sir saw in Oswaldo, I saw in Chris Mannix, 
where he was like, yeah, he was like a little racist, but like really who wasn't back then. <laughs> but I have to say though, I do feel bad for Obi. Like that guy did nothing yeah. wrong, man. Yeah. He just, he was just like driving a stagecoach. Got there. He got like the ha- like all the shit too. He had a freaking like put the <laughs> lines did. up. Yeah. You know, in the freezing cold, then drank the coffee and his fucking guts came out. Like that poor bastard yeah. did nothing wrong. Well, he was I, just there. I love how you're saying earlier he was like, I'm never going fucking back out there again. Ten minutes later. So Obi drew the draw stick and he had to go back outside. Oh yeah, it's that like, was hilarious. Oh, Obi God, drew the short stick. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh but yeah, obviously we all enjoyed the movie. And it was fantastic. I'm, I am definitely going to see it again at some point. Definitely. I, I really want to want to go back and watch it. But uh, I believe that that's it. We're out of time. It's all the time we have for today. It's all the time. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Bad Kitty Funky Podcast. Whether you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, thank you very much. Just uh, shout out to everyone who's been uh, listening. And uh, we've been uh, seeing some of your messages on our social media. And uh, thank you for just uh, listening and keeping tuned with us. Um, for everything you actually care about, this has been Dave the Bearded Menace. Yo! Adam Bob Amber. Rawr. Mr. Greg. But a bullet! I really wanted to be the first one to see if we could have done that yeah. thing, but search caught on to me. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a reason! Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure to thank you guys for tuning in again. Catch us on iTunes, catch us on SoundCloud for your Android users, and tune in on twitch.tv slash every Thursday night at 9.30 Eastern. Standard time. We'll see you guys next week for our next topic. Until then, see you guys later. We'll see you another time. Or never. Or we'll see you never. The train is my cause. Sorry. <laughs>